Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. Each of them answered individually across the board, except number two was the same for every individual. These are people that are 86 to 96 years old at the time. And they all said the same thing. When I helped another human being, that's when I was most proud. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. Okay, well, welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. And once again, I wanna thank everybody for being a listener asking questions whenever you can. Hopefully I can be able to answer those, or at least my guests can, but I'm super um, happy that you guys are tuning in once again. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review um, on, on any platform of podcast that you, that you listen to us on. But this week's guest on the podcast um, is, is someone who, so I'm always looking to be inspired. I think you guys already know that about me. I've said that quite a few times, but I'm always looking to be inspired by people's stories, what they do, the, what, where they come from. And my next guest is someone who, who is a, a, a top keynote speaker and trainer when it comes to inspiration, leadership, and adventure. And when I say adventure, now check this out, y'all. When I say adventure, I'm talking about really adventure. I'm talking about like jumping out of planes. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm talking about skydives. When I say skydives, it ain't just once or twice. I'm talking about over 6,000 skydives and over 450 base jumps. 
just to name a few. And he gets on stage. And when I, when he gets on stage, like he's not just he's talking to some some high high end top 500 type companies. And so, you know, when you add all those things up, man, uh, you know, he has a lot of influence and a lot of inspiration. And I can't wait for you guys to hear from my next guest, Kenyon Salo. Kenyon, welcome to the Shark Effect. Alex, it's a true pleasure to be a part of this event and be a part of this podcast that you're doing. It's like when I connect with people, because I don't just jump on any podcast. I don't just, oh, someone wants to interview me, I'll do it. I really like to connect with people that I resonate with. And man, I love what you're doing. I, I just... I feel like I've known you for 10 years and I'm very, very thankful to be on this. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit, man, how you got, how you got started. Like, so I also want to say, yes, he does the, he jumps out of airplanes, not just any airplane. This dude jumps out for the Denver, Denver Broncos. He's one of the guys I remember playing against the Broncos and, you know, after uh, the star or star spangled banner, they would have their these parachute cats come in and uh, you know and land and when they land like the whole crowd would just erupt and there's different not every team had this but I remember the two teams that really if you wasn't ready to play football after watching you know from the the Denver Broncos when the guys come in with their parachutes and they land and all that good stuff but then also the Kansas City Chiefs whenever you play there they had a, a squadron of F-14s, five of them, I think, and they would fly by really close to the stadium, and, and it just gets your blood going. And so, you know, Kenyon has been doing that, uh, not this year, but he's been doing that, getting guys on their feet, getting the blood going. Um, man, how did, how did that come about? Well, you know, I kind of fell into it, you know. It just happened there. But uh... – you know, originally what happened, and back in the day, they would, a lot of stadiums would have parachutists come in. And a lot of times those parachutes would come in from the military. And so they would have these giant parachutes, about 250 square feet approximately. they come in slow and docile and land on the field. And that was a great thing for, for the fans and everybody there, pregame show. It's awesome to see parachutes come in and land on the field. And also some stadiums have those flyovers of the jets and the military jets. And that's amazing to see too. As the story goes from what I understand is that there was a choice. You either got parachutists or you got the jets. And so you had to make a decision or the stadium had to make a decision on which one. But the stadium also started looking into it. The Broncos thought, wait a minute, we see this new thing called swooping, which is basically high performance landings under a parachute. So instead of having a 250 square foot parachute, our parachutes are about 97, 107 square feet. And we come in at a high rate of speed at about 50 miles an hour. It's like parallel parking a car at 50 miles an hour. And so <laughs> they said, hey, can you do this? And the thing was, it wasn't like, hey, can you do it and just land on the field? They want us to come down the stands, carve across the field, land before the end zone. And we're the only team or skydive team that's associated with an NFL team. So we do every single home game, but we also have to jump through the cables and the cable cam systems that crisscross oh, across the field. All the corners, that's plus right. The field goal cables. 
So there's just like a little itty bitty triangle that we have to dive through because you can't just, just kind of come down through it. You have to dive through it, then go under them and then land on the field. And when they found out that we could do all those things, obviously with lots of practice, and we've been doing it 11 years now with zero incidents, they were like, this is a pregame show we want to keep around. And it's been pretty amazing. We've done night games. We've done day games. We've done cable games. We've done prime time. We've carried footballs in. Yeah, we've done a little bit of everything, and it's been pretty awesome. That's so cool, man. I didn't, You know what? I didn't think about that because I'm so old, but we didn't have the cables and all the, the, the cameras moving across above us. We didn't, we, we didn't have that. So, yeah, that's – Man, you got to be like a surgeon out there. It is because we actually can't see the cables. That's the thing. We know where they're at and we know the attachment points and, and the corners that they go to and that type of thing. And we know our little corner, our little triangle that we can dive through, but you can't see them. And that's one of those things where we just have to trust. And it's a little like uh, Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi style. You just got to trust. You got to know. You got to feel it. You know, you got the blindfold on. And, yeah. uh, and you do it and, and it's great. And um, it's been pretty awesome. And we love it for the fans. We love really giving them that show. That's cool. And so like, did you, I'm interested to hear this. Did you start with, um, with, start with your inspirational and your leadership talks before or after you was jumping out of airplanes for the Broncos? Well, the real question is, is which came first? And the thing is, I'd been skydiving since 2000, but I know that I was starting to learn and be inspired by Tony Robbins back in the early 90s. Okay. So that's when I was doing professional snowboarding and I was learning about all those things. I was like, one day I'm going to be like that guy. I'm going to speak from the stage. I'm going to inspire as many people as possible. But the true message that I deliver now from the stage happened after. So I started, I started skydiving in 98. I was on the Broncos team in 2011. And then I started really focusing on my message, the bucket list life right around 2015. And yes, I definitely incorporate some stories along the way within that keynote. So ultimately it was skydiving first and professional speaking later. Mm, love that. Tell me a little bit about the bucket list. What is that about? So the bucket list life. So again, back in 90, Three ninety four. when I found Tony Robbins, I found the cassette tapes. And, oh, you know, boy, you just, you just dated yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. I wore those out until there was no lettering on the tapes. Just kept flipping them, flipping them. And, you know, sometimes the tape would come out and I would fix it with the pencil. With the pencil, that's going, right, yeah. yeah. That's right. But, you know, what came down to the fact was that I knew that one day I would speak. I just didn't have my platform. What I meant is I didn't have my message. I knew that I wanted to inspire, but what was it? What was the message? How would it be designed? How would I deliver it? And through the years that started to unfold, but it was around 2013 and 14 where I came up with the concept, the bucket list life. And it's very, very simple. It's three things that I live my life by that I wanted to share from the stage. And that was first, creating more experiences, saying yes to life. It was second, sharing more stories. I mean, that's what you do. That's what we're doing now on this podcast is sharing more stories. And third, living more fulfilled by helping others first. And so I designed the keynote and messaging in and around that. I took stories from my life. I took lessons and, and points that I wanted to share of things that I had learned throughout my entire life. 
and took a lot of video footage that I had and designed that and put it in. And what ended up happening was it was a 60, 75 or 90 minute keynote that was wowing audiences and just kept formulaic at taking the formula and making it better over the years. And so now it's six years later and it's a really, really solid keynote and super fun to do. That's so cool, man. So tell me, you know, what you're talking about experiences, what does that look like? Like when you said taking but, the, or getting those experiences. Well, that's, that's what we want to do in life where we have these experiences and, and, and our life is an experience and how we choose to live our life is an experience. And everything that I talk about is both personal and professional. You can transfer it back and forth. But creating more experience is about saying yes. But so many times we say no. It's easy to say no first. And the things that I've found, no matter where I go in the world, no matter who I talk to, whatever the age or demographic of the audience is, it's the same four things. People say no because they don't have the time, they don't have the money, they have responsibility, and they have fear. It could be an amalgamation of all those things or one thing that's big for them, but that's what comes up for them. But the thing is, is that we all have those things, but when we really want something and we say yes, the how always figures itself out later. The how always solves itself. So if money's the thing you don't think you have, the money shows up. If time is something that's an issue, you figure out how to make more time. If you have responsibilities for kids or family or jobs or things like that, you look to be able to figure out how to pass those responsibilities on so you can do those things. And of course, fear, and you've probably heard it before, we're only born with two fears, fear of heights or falling and fear of loud noises. All those other fears, they're just made up or read or, or we've seen or we saw or the news or this or that. So I really just say, it's like, just say yes, it'll figure itself out later. Mm. What if I say, man, I wanna rob a bank? Well, that's your choice of experience. And the thing is, is all the experiences that are going to happen after that are going to be experiences that are going to be part of that choice you made. So yes, our lives can change in a moment when we make a decision or make a choice. Now, obviously the things that I do in my life, I always try to stay within integrity, morals and values, and obviously follow the rule of law because I want to be able to keep doing the types of experiences that I have. But again, if you're like, you know, there are people, I mean, you could, you could really take that as an example, somebody who has that experience where they're to them, it could be like, I have to do this. It's kind of out of necessity, but they said, yes, they're going to figure out the how later. But again, everything we do comes with consequences in the, in that regard. So yeah, if you want to rob a bank, you know, get ready for the experiences that are going to come down to that. Now, the flip side is if you robbed a bank, you would have a story to tell. Like not, I mean, there's only so many people that have robbed banks now, but the thing is, is that that's what's interesting. I read an article about these, these older guys. It was like Ocean's 11 type and they had robbed this bank where they had all the tools and they went in and they went to the vault and all those things. But guess how they ended up getting caught? Because they shared the story. They couldn't not talk about it. <laughs> It was too amazing, but that's the second thing that I talk about is sharing more stories. As humans, we're like, we want to connect, but we also want to be significant and we want to share. Be like, guess what? You know that thing where the, the you know, the seventy million dollars is missing. That was that was me. That was me, right? So they're sharing yeah. the stories, and eventually they can't stop talking. 
busted. Um. That's how it happened. <laughs> So you talk about like sharing stories, and this is something that I didn't know my story. And really, I didn't find my story until I, I hit like basically rock bottom. And my rock bottom was when I was told that I need to figure out who I was. And it happened because a complete stranger when I went to apply for this job at a nonprofit. Uh, this was back in 2006. Seven, I think. Yeah, I think 2007. I hit rock bottom. This lady told me, you don't know who you are. And I suggest you, you figure out who you are before you go on any more job interviews. And that's what kind of started me thinking about, number one, man, who, who am I? And number two, what did I want to do? And then I started diving into like my own story of, man, how's a kid from Colorado Springs who's supposed to be in the in the army? How did I get to 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 play a game and get paid millions of dollars? Play a kid's game and play for a long time. And so I, I had to do some some deep digging and then I got my story. So like how do you tell those those you know my listeners out there how to how to tell their story? And what is their story? Well, a lot of times sharing more stories is about connection and it's the friends and the family. It's the glue that bonds us together. Creating more experiences is about self, but again, sharing more stories is about friends and family. And when we share stories, whether it's with someone on an airplane, someone we meet or someone we work with or a family member, that bond grows deeper. The thing is, is a lot of times we share the very like surface level stories, something that's easy, something that's safe. When I speak with my audiences and I connect with them and I really get them to share, I have them partner up and I ask them three questions and they get to share an answer to one of those three questions. The first is what is something that not many people know about you? So they could ask that question. The second is what is a common thread that has gone through your whole life and really makes you who you are now? And the third that they could potentially answer is what is a turning point in your life? I don't think there's good or bad turning points. I just believe it's a turning point. It's a redirection. It's a choice you make. If you talk about the guy robbing the bank, that's a turning point in someone's life. So what is a turning point that happened in your life that you are who you are today because of that turning point? So what happens is they get to choose and it's nice because it feels safe to them. They get to pick the one that they want to share. And then when I get them to share with the entire audience, there's some powerful stuff that comes up and it's stuff that I can't write. It's not, I haven't written this in. I know this person's going to say this thing. They say the thing and then I unpack it and powerful stuff comes out and people resonate and people are like, wow, I'm like that person. Sometimes I'll say, you've heard this person's story. How many of you here feel the same way that this person does? And the number of hands that go up and I say, look around, you're not alone. You're not the only person that has had this experience in life or has that type of story. And then they feel really connected. And that's the power of sharing stories because when you hear someone's story, you start to really understand who they are and, and the level of what their life is like, where they've come from, where they're going, their values. And every one of us has stories, every single person. 
Mm. That's deep. Absolutely. What do you uh, what do you mean by by helping others? Well, what I'd like to do potentially is I'd like to turn this back for you. So you got to play in the NFL. You were a player. You got to travel. There was awesome contracts. You had the community. You had the experience. You had the experience like uh, helping win games, all of that, being in front of the fans, hundreds of thousands, millions of fans throughout your career. So you have these stories that you're able to continue to share and you share the stories from that and you share the stories that you've learned because of your time in the NFL. But within the NFL, and I know that every single month they have their themes, whether it's about the military or cancer awareness or other things along the lines. And I know that a lot of NFL players give in so many ways. And I'm not just talking about monetarily. I know NFL players are giving their time and going to children's hospitals and they're doing stuff for their communities. And there's awards for those types of things for those NFL players that have given throughout their career. So for you, what was a highlight in your NFL career where you gave back in any way, whether it was to one person or to the community, what was something that you know resonates with you? Oh, absolutely. It's my time in New Orleans, uh, going, going and speaking to the kids. And I'm, I'm talking about if, you, if you've been in New Orleans, so this was in the 90s, the mid-90s, but going to New Orleans public schools and seeing it is hot. It's hot in New Orleans. They ain't got no AC. They got broken windows. I remember the first time pulling up and it looked like it was an abandoned school. And I was like, is this the, is this the right school? But I went in there and I got a chance to, you know, to talk to these kids and talk to them about the importance of education and finding out who you are and what you want to do and how you want to show up. And it was like, it was so cool because these kids, you know, they look up to athletes. And it was like someone who was there and talking with them. I was sitting down with them. We was just chopping it up. But that gave me so much joy because I remember that happened to me in my little school of, at Sierra in, in Colorado Springs. We had a, um, a former Bronco, uh, London Fletcher, came and he spoke with us. And that inspired me. It was like uh, a unicorn. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I met, this is pro athlete. He's coming to us and he's talking with us in a big assembly. And I was like, that's what an NFL player looks like? And so that inspired me, man. And so wherever team I went to, I made sure, especially in New Orleans, but I made sure to, to, to give my time and, and be with the kids and kind of tell them, you know, about reaching your dreams and, and what it takes and the sacrifices that you, that you, you have to make. If you want to reach something that's way up there, you're going to have to give up some things. And sometimes it's relationships. Sometimes it's who you are. So, yeah, I, I definitely remember that. And Alex, what I love about hearing your response to that very question is I can hear stories all day long about the NFL and about the amazing things that happened for you in there. But I also get this sense when you shared there, it's from the heart. It's, it's, it's one of those things that is deep. It's connecting. It makes you human. And it's, it's so powerful 
And those are the reasons why I believe that we're on this planet is to help others. An NFL career is only a certain length of time, but the opportunity to help somebody is all the way until we're no longer on this earth. And we can help in so many ways every single day, whether it's hold a door for somebody, carry something for somebody, mow your neighbor's lawn, shovel a driveway, whatever it is. I love the people that they're, you know, someone gets sick and they're like, hey, if you need anything, let me know. I think that's great. But I love the people that show up the next morning and they're like, I'm here to take your kids to school. And here's some groceries because I know that you won't make it out today. They're the people that just do instead of just saying, hey, if you need some help. It's the person that holds the door without being asked. And I believe that when we help others without the expectation of return, everything we desire will come back tenfold. And I'm not saying that if you give someone $100 that you're going to get 1000 but you're going to get a thousand in value in return some other way. And that's the way it works. And that's what I believe because helping others is about community. And really that's what the world is. And we need to help people as much as possible to strengthen our community, strengthen our bonds, have it be a ripple effect around the entire world and make a difference and make a change. And that's why I believe that's so powerful because we're on the planet to do that. And when I went into a, a place where people had retired, a retirement community, it was actually a nursing home. And there were 10 individuals in there and I asked them four questions, all of them separate. First question was, what is something you did when you were younger? Second question was, what is something you're most proud of? Third is, what is something that you wished you had done? And fourth is any words of wisdom you would like to pass on. Each of them answered individually across the board, except number two was the same for every individual. These are people that are 86 to 96 years old at the time. And they all said the same thing. When I helped another human being, that's when I was most proud. When they gave up their time, when they gave up their energy, when they donated and they helped in any way, that's, that's what they're thinking about at the end of their life is when they helped others. And that, that really had a big impact on me because it was a big reminder of why we're here. Wow. That's something. Kenyon, what's your superpower? Whew, man. I like this. My superpower for me, it's really about observation. I have the opportunity. It's one of the things that I love to do is observe and then through observation, understand and through understanding, have empathy and really to be able to connect with people. And so someone might be a complete stranger. But within a few minutes of being able to observe, connect, have empathy, listen, wow, I really feel like I understand at least a little bit about who you are, which is better than not knowing who you are at all. So I enjoy that interaction, whether it's at an airport or when I'm traveling or when I'm on stage, being able to connect with people in the audience, being able to unpack stuff in real time. It's, it's, that's, that's what I enjoy the most. And just, the potential that in an interaction that could be 30 seconds, even if it's the person behind the counter, if we're both laughing at the end of that 30 seconds, I'm like, yeah, all right. Another person smiling today. Mm. 
That's it. Now, when was your, that moment for you, man, when you, that kind of changed the course for you? Like you was heading one way and I don't know if it was a speed bump, if it was a crash or something, but uh, I'm going to say crash, but what was that moment, man, that things just changed and it flipped how you thought and how you wanted to uh, make a new, a new path? When was that moment? Well, there was a particular path and I've only shared this a couple of times with audiences. And it was a time in my life at, when I was a late teenager, about 19 years old, 1920, actually right around there. And I was hanging out with the wrong group of friends. And my mom was saying, you shouldn't be hanging out with the wrong group of friends. And I'm like, of course, mom, you don't know my friends like I do. They're a mate, whatever. And then I remember that this one particular person was like, we're going to get into a fight. Now, I've never been in a fight my entire life. And we pull up to this empty parking lot and then the trunks are open and everybody's grabbing some sort of tool for this brawl that is apparently going to go down. And I remember standing in a parking lot with a tire iron in my hand thinking, what is my plan here? What do I plan on doing with this thing? Now, the turning point was that apparently this other group never showed up. I got to put the tire iron away. I got to get back in my car and drive home. And within a few months after that moment, I completely left that group of friends. I moved to Colorado to be a professional snowboarder and my life completely went on a complete separate direction. Unfortunately, years later, I read in a newspaper about a couple of the people that I was spending time with where they had basically mugged a woman and they then went to prison. So when I look at where my life is now and what potentially could have happened because I was making bad decisions and being around peers that were, were influencing me to really deciding to be an adventure and live my life and bucket list ideas and inspiring people. You know what? Came down to one moment. That was my, could have been my bank robbing moment. And mm. unfortunately for them, and my, those friends, I feel bad and I feel bad for the victim. But on the flip side, I also am very pleased that I was able to make a decision and change the course of my life. Wow, that sounds like, man, straight out the, the movie, The Outsiders with Pony Boy mm -hmm. back in the day. Mm -hmm. Man, wow. Um, so... When things bad happens, or I don't want to say bad, but setbacks happen, how do you how do you structure your mind, or how do you um, get past that? It's all about unpacking and debriefing. So no matter what, I don't believe things happen to us. It's our choice on how we react to them. Now there are challenges and things. It could be a financial setback. It could be a uh, a career setback, it could be an injury setback, physical setback, any of the setbacks that you have, you have to look at it, unpack it, understand it, 
course correct, and then take action. If you get stuck in the cycle, doesn't matter. Like if you're just gonna keep going through the same stuff again and again, and that's where people, they're stuck in that holding pattern. But I really believe that if you can just go through that process and the quicker you can do that, the better off you are. And sometimes you have to do things that most people won't. So you can have what most people can't. And that's really what it comes down to. And you make decisions, you say, okay, that's that. I believe that everything that happens is a phenomenal story. And that's another way that I handle. I go, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. And yeah, that was tough or that was funny or that was strange or that was hard. But that story is gonna be so much value to someone else down the road. Whether it's a friend, a family, an audience, whatever, I'll tell the story, it'll inspire them, it'll help them in some way. And then I, I actually get fired up on that alone. Like, ooh, I went through the process and learned it. Maybe I can help somebody else. Kenya, man, you're saying that, and I'm just, I got a big smile on my face because, you know, you talk about setbacks and you said injuries and, you know, other things that, that just, you know, that happens. But I think of a setback in my life that I unpacked it. I had to figure out why did that happen? It was an injury where I tore my knee up. Uh, tore three out of the four main ligaments, but I had to unpack why that happened. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was a down moment, right? I had screw, I still got screws in this knee, but without that, without that, there's no way I could have done the things that I did because it tore me all the way down. And so I had to look at it and I couldn't say, and I did for, for a moment, woe is me, but I started to build myself up, right? I started, it, because of this, it made me not just a better football player but and a better technician, but it also, man, it made me a better person. And it gave me resolve, you know, because how, how I worked afterwards, it was like I was doing stuff, like you said, I was doing stuff that most people, myself included, before I didn't, I never even thought about working that hard. You know, I wanted to get that microwave right now. I want success. But that slowed everything down for me. And it also made me appreciate, you know, the gift that God gave me. So, yeah, I can definitely see how that you got to unpack it. I love that. That's right. Kenyon, what makes you a high performer? Cause that's what I did. That's what the shark effect is about. I want to dig down. I want to get the secrets. My listeners, how do, how, what makes you a high performer? When it comes to whether it's jumping out of a plane, whether it's connecting one-on-one -on -one with somebody going on stage, skydiving in for the Denver Broncos, it's the ability first and foremost to compartmentalize. No matter what is going on in my day or week in that moment, I'm able to compartmentalize and put it off to the side and say, this is my job at hand at the moment. And that's why golf is so interesting and challenging is because they have to do that four days in a row, multiple hours each day. And the ones that have the best mental game wins. And Tiger has shown that he has had the best mental game over the, his entire career, but his mental hasn't always been there. And when I'm skydiving into the Denver Broncos stadium and certain winds come up or weather comes up 
or in the moment or part of my canopy collapses as I make my turn in the stadium or something's going on. I mean, there was a Monday night football game and I came around the corner to go down the field and I'm going down the field and the Monday night announcers that are on that corner of the field were actually out in the field. And then, you know, so I'm coming down the sidelines just like, you know, a great football player would be running down the sidelines. And I see people in suits. I see my other teammates. And I have to start making decisions in microseconds. I'm going to split that. I'm going to go through there. I got to carve a little bit around that person. I got the end zone coming up. I got to shut down my canopy before I get there. Boom. And be able to do that. So what I say, and this is what our team talks about on a regular basis, is what we call updating. So when I start to make my turn at 500 feet above the stadium, as things change, yeah, I have my normal rules. Like, okay, if it was a perfect weather day and perfect conditions, I know what that looks like and feels like, and I understand that. But if anything's different, I have to update in real time to the new information and make adjustments. So really how do athletes do it? Do business people do it? Do I do it? I know that they do those two things. They take the current circumstances or the current, what they see in front of them, their environment in that regard. So they understand their current environment. They update with the information and knowledge that they have and their skills, and then they adjust. So that's really the key thing is understand your environment, update real time, adjust accordingly. And when you do that time and time and time again, results will happen. Positive results will happen. You're training yourself to do that. And that's what I do. Mm, I love it. I love it. How do you structure your life? I know that's broad and I'm okay with that. I want you, but how do you structure your life? For me, lack of structure is also part of my structure. So for me, I love variety. I love that maybe today I wake up at seven, tomorrow I wake up at five, I wanna sleep in the next day. I love those types of things. I love learning more things as, as much as I can, taking up new sports and trying new things. But there are a lot of key things that I really want to keep that are the same. So I need structure because I love fun so I need structure in order to get stuff done. And so I have basic structure and I use my, my tools and whether it's to-do lists and things like that and calendars and all that, that gives me my structure. But I structure to make sure certain things happen, that I keep my solid relationships intact, spend time with my kids and have those powerful moments. I make sure that I work on my business and in my business so that I'm working on my business, getting more keynotes and things like that. And I work in my business by being on stage. I make sure that I continue to learn and grow. I live the bucket list life, create new experiences. I want to connect with people and share more stories. And whenever possible, I want to help people. And I do that again, could be holding a door for somebody, could be helping them move, whatever it is, just somehow, some way, always continue to help. And that's why I love these podcasts because I hope that some of my words could inspire somebody and they feel like that's exactly what I needed today. And it helps them along their, their way. I love it. Well, Hey, I'm inspired. You know what I'm saying? And I know that's what you do. 
on a you know on a day-to-day basis and that's what you do for your career for your job so thank you for that for being an inspiration what is a, a tip a tip that you can give my listeners in terms of leadership for leadership really what it comes down to is leaders go first as a leader, if you really think about that, you will go first and then the people will see that it's safe and they will follow. That is how I live my life. I remember being a young kid, jumping off the train bridge into the water, 35 feet, summertime swimming at the swimming hole. As a leader, I would go first to show what was possible and that it could be done. But then as a leader, the job is to come back and share your knowledge in such a way that's compassionate with empathy, but you allow them to learn and you give the people that are following you the space to learn because not all people want to be leaders. Some people are amazing followers. And as leaders, we need to understand and recognize that, that the followers are doing what they love. They love to be in that spot of following and helping. So as leaders, we have to be able to create that space for them that positive space to learn and then celebrate them when they do well. So going back to the train bridge, I would help one of my friends or classmates jump into the water. They may have stood there for 15, 30, 42 hours, but when they finally jumped in while they're in midair, it's like, yeah, like I'm so stoked for you. And sometimes people would say, yeah, but I didn't do a dive or a flip like you did. No, you did what you were supposed to do and it was amazing. And I am super inspired by what I saw and experienced today. And I'm thankful that I got to be a part of it. That's what good leaders do. Mm, I like that. Kenyon, how can my listeners get more of you? How you have a website. I know you're on social media. Come on now, give it up, give it up. It's so easy. (laughs) It's simple. It's Kenyon Salo everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and KenyanSalo.com. And I love to train speakers because I believe the more speakers that I help, the more messages are delivered and the more audience members and people we can impact together. So if somebody's out there too and they're like, I feel like I'm ready to be a speaker, yeah, KenyanSalo.com. And I just want to help as many people as possible. So I want to connect and any way that the listeners can connect with me. Yeah. Hit me up. I'm ready to hear the stories and connect with people. I love it. That's good stuff. So, so I, man, hey, I got to scrape the plate. All right. I got to scrape the plate. So is there anything, any question that I should have asked you that I didn't? You know, I really believe what it comes down to in the end is that when we ask a question and listen and ask again, instead of responding with what's going on in our mind. And so I really want people to do that because we're more connected than ever, but we're more lonely than ever. And what I want people to do is when they connect with somebody, just remember this, listen, ask, listen, ask and just continue to hear the story of the person you're sitting next to. And it's usually that second and third question that opens up a Pandora's box about really who that person is. And you'll probably find something really special and a true connection with them. 
Mm. So with that, when you're saying, ask a question, listen, and then do you, do you ask the same question? Like, do you reframe it and kind of tell them or, or ask them, what is this? How did it come out in your head? Or do you ask another question? Meaning, like, if you ask me, or excuse me, if I ask you, I say, Kenya, I love that picture behind you. Can you tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about uh, more about that? And you tell me like what you saw and then why you why you bought it. And then I say, hold on. So you bought it because it reminded you of, you know, your your parents or whatever. And then you say, no, I, I bought it because it reminded me of, you know, a, a, a time in my life where I had to I had to overcome or something like that. Or, or is it do, well, do you ask a question and then ask another question? about something totally different. No, you stay on the same track. And I love what you're putting in and what you're framing here. No pun intended with picture. <laughs> but the, the way it works is simple. Is, is a lot of the times what happens is we ask a question and you might say, hey, what about that picture? And I share it, I talk about the picture. And then you say, oh, I collect art too. And I do this and I do that. And now you're off sharing about you, right? Mm-hmm. So you've taken the attention off the other person. But if I say, hey, look, I love aircrafts. I've actually designed my entire office to be an airplane hangar. And I love that. And you say, airplane hangar, tell me more. Like, when was your love for airplanes? Well, it went back to here and here. Well, what about this? Have you ever been scared about airplanes? So you continue to ask questions, but you know what? You already do that in such an amazing way because of your awesome podcast. So you're doing that on a regular basis all the time with every one of your guests. That's the example. You, you've made the podcast about your guest. And I love that. I think that's why people will truly resonate with it because it's not about you. You're saying, hey, I want my listeners to hear about the people I bring on. And that's powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kenyon, thank you so much for being a guest on Shark Effect. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really stoked, man. I think this, I know this message is going to help a lot of people. So thank you. It's been a true honor and a true pleasure. Like I've done a bunch of podcasts, but this one, this one feels really, really special. So thank you for letting me be on. And I big shout out to all the listeners that uh, love what you do because I. Listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement. You can get it on Amazon and the uh, paper paperback version or you can get it on kindle and who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking tra- to transition what whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever if you're looking to transition into something different this book can help you i break it down i lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you gotta understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision-making, that can help you with influencing others. 
and how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter. Developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times, but how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you, okay? And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just, not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there, you know, that covers topics that, that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.